Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Tim Reynolds with Bible Truth for Living. We appreciate you tuning in today. This is the third and final message in our series we've been bringing from the book of Genesis chapter 9 titled, Reclaiming the Rainbow. I'll read from Genesis 9 and verse 12, and then I'll give you some of the background from the previous verses of chapter 9. Genesis 9 verse 12 begins and says, And God said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember uh, the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh uh, that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. Well, you may remember the 1939 classic movie, The Wizard of Oz. In that movie, actress Judy Garland sang a song titled Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Maybe you remember singing that as a child. The first verse says, Somewhere over the rainbow, way up high, there's a land that I heard of once in a lullaby. Well, I believe the culture in 2023 is much less innocent now than it was in 1939. The rainbow of Judy Garland's day has become a symbol of pride. I personally believe that it's more than pastime for Christians to reclaim the rainbow as a symbol of promise, not pride. Now, it's interesting, one of the hottest songs on today's music charts is a Christian-based rap song titled, Reclaim the Rainbow. It was inspired by former NFL player and sports analyst, uh, now podcaster, Jason Whitlock. He has a podcast called Fearless. I would recommend listening to that. Uh, And it's performed by Bryson Gray and Shamika Michelle. Uh, And it begins like this. It's written in the first book of Genesis till Satan perverted it. We're reclaiming the rainbow, a promise that comes from God. That's what this series has been about. Now, again, I want to give you just a little bit of background to bring us up to this point in Genesis chapter 9. Noah and his family have been through the flood. They've exited the ark. God has established his unconditional Noahic covenant. This covenant includes setting up human government. Uh, It changed man's diet, among many other things, but those are just the primary things. And it applied not only to Noah and his sons, but all subsequent generations, including all animal life and all of creation. So today, as we conclude this series, we're going to look at these verses. And first of all, notice the proof of the covenant. God says in verse 12 again, and God said this is the token. That word token means a a sign or proof of the covenant, which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generation. So uh, a couple of things there. First of all, notice that he says that I'm establishing this uh, with you and all perpetual generation. So it is ongoing. 
Notice that a covenant is a promise. It's a guarantee, and it's an unconditional covenant, meaning that even if man does not keep his part, God promises to keep his part, all right? So he says that, and then he says this in verse 13. Uh, he says, I do set my bow in the cloud. So the rainbow really doesn't belong to man. It belongs to God, all right? He says, I'm going to set my bow in the cloud, and it's going to be a reminder, a token of this covenant, the first thing we know about a rainbow is its beauty. In verse 14, God says, It shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. Now, who's going to see that? Well, we as human beings see a rainbow. It's a very beautiful thing. Uh, the rainbow contains seven colors. Uh, those are the colors of red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. That's what makes up the rainbow. Now, let's talk about the science behind the rainbow. Scientifically, a rainbow is produced when sunlight filters through water in the atmosphere. At that point, each little water droplet becomes a prism, P-R-I-S-M, prism, to release the multifaceted colors that were previously hidden in the white light of the sun. So we go from a white light to the multifaceted colors of the rainbow. That's the science behind it. But is there a spiritual lesson behind it? I think so. Because spiritually, the rainbow represents the multifaceted, or the Bible word for it is the manifold mercy, wisdom, and grace of Almighty God. You can't put God in a box. You can't color God with just one color. He is multifaceted. His wonderful works are manifold. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 19, thou in thy manifold mercies forsook them not in the wilderness, referring to the children of Israel. Psalm 104 verse 24 says, O Lord, how manifold, multifaceted are thy works. Ephesians 3 and verse 10 speaks of the manifold wisdom of God. And then in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, the Bible speaks of having good stewards or being good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So just in these four verses, you have the manifold mercies of God, the manifold works of God, the manifold wisdom of God, and the manifold grace of God. That's just a little bit. You know, it's impossible in human words and pictures to uh, completely uh, show what God really is, what he's all about. When we say manifold, that is multifaceted, and that's what the rainbow spiritually represents. But not only do we know the beauty of the rainbow, but I want us to notice the beneficiaries because when God gives this token of the covenant, the rainbow, he says, Noah, it's for you. It's for your sons. It's for every creature. It's for perpetual generations. It's for all of creation. In fact, all of creation benefits from the manifold mercy, goodness, and grace of God. Now, I'm not going to read this again, but I shared this in a previous message, how that all of creation right now is under the curse of sin. That's why we have hurricanes and tornadoes and floods and earthquakes. But this creation is going to be made new when the Lord Jesus Christ returns to this earth and establishes his kingdom on the earth. All right. So even the creation itself will be renewed. I like what theologian John Phillips said regarding the rainbow. He said, quote, a rainbow's arch is bent like a bow toward heaven, but it is a bow without an arrow, 
Why? Because the arrow has already been spent. Thank God for that. Another preacher said a bow is an instrument of war. We have broken God's law and we deserve his judgment. But God has turned the bow toward heaven and has taken the punishment for us himself. Boy, isn't that the truth? We deserve the punishment of God. Oliver Green used to be an old radio preacher and he said, if we all got what we, he spoke in a gruff voice, if we all got what we deserve, we'd burn in hell. Well, we don't hear much of that kind of preaching anymore. But it's the truth. All right. It's because of God's mercy. I like how Peter puts it in first Peter chapter three and uh, verse 18. Listen to this. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. <coughs> Excuse me. He did that one time on the cross. The just for the unjust. He was the just. We are the unjust. And then it says that he might bring us to God. That means, friend, that we can't get to God any other way. People try to get to God through being a good person, a good neighbor. People try to get to God through going to church even. That won't bring you to God. Only one will do that, the just Christ who died for the unjust, us. And he brings us to God when we repent and accept him as our Savior. And the last part says, being put to death in the flesh, referring to Christ, but quickened, made alive by the Spirit. By the way, that happens to you and I at the moment of salvation. Our spirit is made alive, and we become indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, let's go back to our text in Genesis 9. As we have looked at the proof of the covenant, that would be the the token or the sign of the rainbow, and we talked about its beauty and, and its beneficiaries. But now we're going to look at the purpose of the covenant. What is all of this actually about, this rainbow? Well, first of all, it brings relief to the heart of man. Verse 14 again, And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. In other words, the sight of the rainbow by sinful man should provide relief that God remains merciful to him. It's a reminder of God's mercy. You know, mercy can be defined as not getting what we really do deserve. We deserve hell, but mercy says you don't get that. You get heaven when you trust in Christ. Did you know the only reason you and I can draw the very next breath in our lungs is because of the mercy of God? You say, well, I'm staying alive because I have good health and I exercise and I take my vitamins and I eat right. Well, that's all wonderful. But that's really not the truth, because the only reason you and I have breath is because of the mercy of God. It's in the Bible. Listen to this, Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. The word consumed means they're just taken out, all right, done away with, because his compassions fail not. He never fails to be compassionate. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. That's a hymn that we often sing in church. Great is thy faithfulness. It's only because of the mercy and the faithfulness of God that we're even alive. And so the next time you look at a rainbow and see it in the sky, don't think of pride. Think of what a relief it is that God has provided mercy to sinful man. You see, the problem is, is that an unbelieving, unthankful world misses what God puts right out in front of him. Why? Because they never Never consider God. David says in, in Psalm chapter 8 and verse 3, when I consider, when I think about the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars which thou hast created, what is man that thou art mindful of him? 
David, I imagine, maybe went out in this palace balcony and looked up in a clear, starry night and saw the moon and thought, boy, how small I am. And yet God has me on his mind. Why? Because he loves us and because of his mercy. So the purpose of the rainbow or the sign of the covenant is to bring relief to man. And then here's something that's interesting. It also is a reminder to God. That sounds a little bit strange. God needs reminding. Well, let's read it and I'll explain it to you. Listen to verse 15. This is God speaking, and he says, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh, and the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it. God, God's going to look on it. A while ago, we looked at man looking at it. Now God says, I'll look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and man. Now, What does that not mean? Well, it does not mean that God forgets and that some things slip his mind, all right? It's not as if God looks at the rainbow and says, now, there's something I need to remember. What what is it? All right? I'm not talking about that. Here's what it means. It means that God gives full attention to what he already promised he would do, or in this case, he would not do. He has made a promise. I'll not flood the earth with water again. And so when God looks at the rainbow, it brings his full attention to what he said he would do. It is God acting on the behalf of one who is brought to mind. Once again, the fact that we are even brought to God's mind is amazing in and of itself. It's sort of like whenever uh, maybe you've made a will out for your children and you say, I remembered my child in my will. It doesn't mean you forgot your child previously. It just means you're bringing that child to mind. That's what that means when God says, when I look on that rainbow, I remember. I bring it to my full attention. God remembers uh, the frailties of man. Uh, we have, I think really, uh, people seem to have two different views of God. One view of God is that he is a, he's just a Santa Claus, ho, 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 old man up in the clouds, uh, you know, and he's not paying much attention to what's going on on the earth and he's not bothered by sin. Well, that's definitely the wrong view of God. But then others have a view of God that he's sitting there on the edge of his seat, ready to strike us down with a lightning bolt when we sin. And God is angry and God's ready to just wipe us out if we mess up. That's not true either. You see, God is both love and God is justice, which involves wrath and judgment. But thank God for his mercy. Listen to this attribute of God. Listen to Psalm 103, and I'll read verses 8 through 14. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide. That word chide means scold or chastise. He doesn't keep bringing something up over and over and over again. Neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins. If he did, I mean, we would be in trouble all the time. If if God dealt with us as we should be dealt with, we'd be in hell. We'd have no hope. All right? Nor has he rewarded us according to our iniquities, giving us what we really deserve. Again, that's what mercy is, not getting what we deserve. Boy, I like uh, these next two verses. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is the mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. There's a song, I think, Casting Crowns. Uh, sang that song, as far as the east is from the west. 
He says here that he's removed our transgressions. You see, part of what we do, and and I know I've been guilty of this, is perhaps we have some sin in our past and we've asked forgiveness, but the devil will keep wanting to bring that back to mind, and we have a hard time letting go of that ourselves. And so we'll go to God maybe over again, you know, and say, now, God, forgive me of what I did back there. And when you do that, God is saying, I don't know what you're talking about. I've already, that's already, you know, as far as the East is from the West, East never meets West. All right. That's a far away away. You you would just keep going. In other words, there used to be a little song that we sang. What sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. Beloved, if you're holding on to something and regret and you can't let it go and you can't forgive yourself and you keep bringing it up to God, I want to tell you, he doesn't even remember it because he has, he has removed those transgressions. Thank God for that. Listen to the next two verses. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Pitieth does not mean feel sorry for. It means recognize. He recognizes our foolishness. You know, sometimes you, you wonder why your kids do what they do. And then you think back, you know what? I was foolish the same way. I can, I can identify with that. Now, God's not foolish like us, but the, the correlation there or the connection is the father does not stay angry with his children because he realizes that's what kids do. You know, sometimes they, they behave that way. And verse 14 says, for he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. God remembers and realizes we're frail, we're nothing more than dust, and back to dust we will return one day. And because of that, he gives us mercy. Now, I'm going to shift gears on this final point because this is the reason why I've been bringing these series of messages on reclaiming the rainbow. I want to speak finally on reclaiming this covenant, the Noahic covenant or the rainbow. First of all, I want to address the effort to silence those who are not going along with the LGBTQIA and so on agenda, the rainbow flag and all of that. The LGBTQ community has effectively used the language and specifically labels to silence those who disagree with their lifestyle and its effect on the culture. There have been some labels that have been put out, whether it's on social media or on television, and I think these are the three main reasons why we as Christians uh, have been silent because uh, of one of these. Number one is the hateful label. You know, if you say something uh, and you disagree with that lifestyle and call it sin, then uh, the label is you are unloving, you're homophobic, you're transphobic, you're a bigot. Those are just some of the labels that are used to make Christians look hateful. And because no one wants to be called those things, we don't want to be called hateful and we don't see ourselves as hateful, we don't say anything. So in order to keep from having that label placed on us, and it's been very effective, we're, we're silent. The second label I call the harmful label. We're told that if we speak out, we're causing harm. This is especially used on parents. Parents today are expected to support children who are confused about their gender. We are told to trust the psychologist and trust the educators who promote things like puberty blocker medications and gender reassignment surgeries. And if you don't go along with that, you're harming their self-image by not affirming uh, what they're choosing here. And I want to tell you something. Number one, in years to come, there's going to be a huge backlash. Now, I'm not 
I'm not a prophet, but I can just see what's going to happen. Some of these young people that have gone along with this, and I believe a lot of it is a is a fad, and and have sort of gone on bar, got on board with these things. When they become adults in their 20s and 30s, they're going to regret some of these things that have been pushed upon them and allowed. And uh, you're liable to see all kinds of lawsuits and things come from this. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, again, I'll, I'll just tell you how I see it. I think it's more harmful to do these things and to confuse, especially the younger generation, than to tell them the truth. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And so you have the hateful label and the harmful label. And then the third one is the hypocritical label. So when you speak out, uh, you know, someone will say, well, who are you to judge me? You're not perfect either. Look at the things you have done. Now, all of that is true. We're all sinners. We've all made mistakes and failures and have regrets and things we want to do over. But there's one exception here. You see, the world wants to cancel you for past sins. It's called cancel culture. So, you know, bring something up you did in the past and cancel you out. And you're off of social media and you can even lose your job and all of these things. But God is different than that. God doesn't cancel you out. He cancels the sins. I told you just a while ago, I read there from Psalm how that, uh, from the book of Psalms, how that our sin is removed as far as the East is from the West. God wants to forgive you. The world wants to cancel you, but God wants to forgive you. So the hateful label, the harmful label, the hypocritical label, these things are all meant to silence Christians. I'll tell you where they come from, though. They really originate from Satan himself, the God of this world. And 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 11 says, we're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. It's just a tool to cause Christians to be quiet and to not get involved with the culture. Now, what can we do about this? What should you and I do as believers. Well, let me give you these things and I'm done. You will have more than likely family, friends, neighbors, co-workers uh, living uh, this lifestyle or supporting uh, the LGBTQ lifestyle. Uh, your job will promote uh, diversity and inclusion and equity standards and all of these things. What do we as Christians do about this? Now, I'm telling you, if a preacher doesn't talk about this, who's going to, all right? So I'm just going to tell you uh, how I see it from the Word of God. There are three things that we should do. Number one, we as Christians are called to shine the truth. We're to shine the truth. What does that mean, shine the truth? Well, let me read the scripture, and uh, I think it'll make sense. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Ye, Christians, believers, are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, uh, under a candlestick, but upon a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The world ought to see something different about us. We should not be hateful. We should not be out. The enemy is not people. The enemy is Satan, all right? So we're to love people. But that doesn't mean we love people to the point where we don't shine the truth. They ought to see God in us. This is no time to hide. I don't think you can be a Christian uh, anymore and ride the fence because you and I are going to be put in a position where we have to either go along with the culture or push back and say, no, here's what God's word says. So shine the truth. Number two, stand for the truth. I just quoted this scripture, John eight thirty two. Ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. There is freedom in truth. All right, we just celebrated uh, our independence, our freedom this past week. Isn't that right? Well, there's freedom in truth. The truth sets you free. Now, where is truth found? 
Is it found from the media, mainstream media? Is it found from uh, the professors in uh, higher education? Is it found in uh, government and the political realm? Where do we find truth today? Well, I'm telling you, the only place to find real truth is the Word of God. All right, that's why we need to stick with the Word of God. Shine the truth, stand for the truth. And number three, we are called to speak the truth. Ephesians 4.15 says, speaking the truth in love. Meaning not only what we say is important, but how we say it. Speaking the truth in love. Now, we don't sacrifice truth on the altar of peace. You know, well, I'm just going to love everybody. I'm not going to speak out. No, we can't do that. That's not, that's not love. Love gives you the truth, but is kind and lets you know that God loves you. And if God loves you, I love you. All right. A, a good doctor doesn't love you if he doesn't tell you what's wrong. Let's say you have cancer and the doctor says, well, I don't see anything here. You'll be fine. Well, that's not a good doctor. A doctor has to say, here's the problem, and here's the remedy. We have the remedy. It's the Word of God. But we're to love people where they are. Uh, we're to give them truth and then let them know God loves them, and we're going to love them, and let God take it from there, all right? Now, there's been a recent explosion in gender confusion and homosexual lifestyles. It's been promoted by Hollywood, the media, uh, some politicians, and the educational system. This is not going to be easy. It is encouraging to see people starting to wake up and say, we've had enough people who are going to school board meetings and different things and saying, we're not going to tolerate this, especially when it comes to our children and our grandchildren. Remember, the next time you see a rainbow, don't think pride. Think of God's promise. That's what it's all about. And beloved, we're left here on earth for such a time as this. We're to uh, be a good witness. We're to be respectful of people, but not shy away from the truth and say, here's what God said says, and then let God deal with the heart, all right? Don't be condemning, don't be judgmental, but just give the truth, and then let God deal with the heart, and God will direct things as he may. Will God bring mercy to the United States of America? I hope so. I love America. I served in the military, and I'm I'm very pro-American. But I know this, if we continue down the road we are, we don't deserve mercy, we deserve judgment. I, I don't want God's judgment on this nation. I want God's mercy, but it begins with God's people doing these things, shining the truth, standing for the truth, and speaking the truth to a lost and dying world. Thank you so much for listening today. I pray the message was a help to you, and uh, we look forward to being with you at our next appointed time. I want to thank all those who support the broadcast by listening and by your prayers and financial support. Thank you so much for that, all right? We look forward to being with you again next time. Till then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at Hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois 62864. Thank you for listening.